Mr. Squidward. Welcome to the night shift. A pleasant good evening, everybody, on this Sunday, December 13th, 2020, and we welcome you in to another edition of the MI6 Sports Network's Late Night Sports Talk Show. That, of course, folks, is the night shift on episode number 31 on this Sunday, December 13th, 2020, per usual, folks, joined as uh, always by our late night MI6 Late Night Owl Talk Show host, our good friend Isaiah Leung from the Home Studios with a Christmas wreath in the background as we're now 12 days away from the Christmas holiday. Uh, joining us as usual from Fremont, California, and yours truly, Cal McClurk from the home studios here in San Diego. Isaiah, good to see you, man. How are we doing on this Sunday? 12 days away, man, from Christmas Day. Yeah, Cal, and you know, last night I said on the air, I told you guys that every single day you would see some holiday-related stuff plastered on my wall, and I delivered big time tonight with a Christmas uh, wreath. Uh, instead of the flowers that I had from last night, I also I'm rocking, you know, my Christmas sweater, which is pretty nice. Haven't worn this bad boy in about a couple of years, but hey, it still fits. So uh, I decided to pull it out for tonight because, you know, we need some holiday cheer now uh, after the absolute crap show that happened today with my San Francisco 49ers. Uh, Callan, I... I, you know, I'm a very optimistic person. I am a very optimistic person. I was holding out hope that somehow, some way, that Nick Mullins would be able to lead the 49ers to beating the Washington football team, beating the Dallas Cowboys, and giving us just a little bit of hope so that we could somehow beat Arizona and beat Seattle and run the table and somehow make the playoffs. But Callan, I am it's I am going to now turn in my 49ers 2020 season card. The season is over. That is why you guys saw me waving the white flag at the beginning of the show because the season is truly over. I know I canceled the season back in week uh, week five, but now is when the season is truly over. The 49ers are done. Uh, you can rest assured we're not going to the playoffs this season. The white flag has been waved, and now we are looking forward to you know just playing out the remainder of our schedule and getting ready for for 2021. But it's a very sad day, man. It feels like a funeral, but you know I had to come on and you know face the music because or else you guys would have you, John Alcorn, and Stephen Wang would probably have uh, took a plane or. Uh, you know, drove over to my house and tried to find me if I actually tried to hide. So I had to come over and got my white flag and face the music. So you're telling me there's a chance. So you're telling me there's a chance. Uh, we'll see how things go. I don't see you guys beating Green Bay, though, when it need, when you need to win out to win the probably end of the postseason. We'll have more folks about the NFL today and plenty of other big news, though. As you usually do, the folks here on the night shift every Tuesday, Saturday, and Sunday, Isaiah and myself come your way to give you a Cliff Notes version of your sports day every Tuesday, Saturday, and Sunday to recap all the big games, the big plays, the big news, and scores of a, uh, of course, very, um, very condensed or very lengthy day 
of sports action. Again, folks, every Tuesday, Saturday, and Sunday here, 10 o'clock Pacific time right here on the MI6 Sports Network. And as a reminder, folks, we are still, as usual, going uh, rolling along and keep chugging along, folks, into day number 14 now of the MI6 Sports Network's ongoing deliberation that is the 31 Days of Hot Takes Bracket Challenge. We have, again, folks, for you tonight, another uh, matchup here as we uh, get ready to close out the first official round of voting for the Network Bracket Challenge. So tonight, folks, we'll have the poll for you uh, momentarily, but tonight, folks, you're voting for either Ryan Schreiner again. Again, Ryan won uh, last night's matchup, but tonight, though, Ryan, though, picked the Detroit Lions to win the NFC North Division title. Will that win your vote over our good friend John Mathis, who had an on-air outburst about his L.A. Dodgers not being able to hit with guys in scoring position during a July 29th or July 30th ball game against the Astros in Houston. Give us your thoughts. And of course, folks, cast your votes live over on facebook.com slash MI6 sports. We just put that poll live for you folks. That's why you saw my screen go black there for a moment. But of course, that poll is now live. So you folks may in fact be able uh, to uh, get those votes in here tonight on this program. Also, folks, as a reminder, you probably saw this announcement, though, too, from Shareable Steve. But also, folks, if you are, again, perhaps in the spirit of giving during the holiday season, if you're able to perhaps help out, uh, again, we're not really looking forward or, you know, not really looking to uh, mooch off of our uh, viewers out there. But if you do feel uh, generous, though, folks, we have set up a PayPal link to probably, again, more so help us out with uh, keeping uh, our streams and our content going here. Again, we do have to pay some fees every so often to uh, keep our StreamYard account going. Uh, perhaps for equipment or other sales, pretty much. But if you feel that way, you guys can find us uh, via PayPal. Just uh, search MI6 Sports Network and we'll be able to, again, uh, take your donations. We did, uh, we did, folks, have a very generous $50 donation come in a couple of shows ago. So a thank you to all of our viewers. So if you want more content or want us to stay on the air, folks, if you, again, feel uh, some generosity, perhaps during this very difficult time, again, you can uh, find us via PayPal and uh, send over some of your loose change our way. With that, Isaiah, into today's games. We're going to keep it somewhat brief with the uh, actual game state because I know that we've had a couple of shows where we've had like, we picked like eight or ten games and the show's going on till close to midnight. But we'll start, though, Isaiah, in the morning slate of games today. Up first, though, is the Chiefs and Dolphins. A very great game today, but the Chiefs win the game after a very sluggish start and three interceptions from Patrick Mahomes with the Chiefs come back to win 33-27, the victory uh, clinches the Chiefs' fifth straight AFC West Division title and what became a dogfight, Isaiah, after the Dolphins got ahead early. But we're not able to sustain that offensive pressure throughout the course of the game, though. And really, I think that was well, Isaiah. They failed, though, in this game to really, I think, take advantage of turnovers that were given up by Pat Mahomes and the Chiefs. Going to get a couple of deflected interceptions, a fumble recovery. But the Dolphins really, I think, never got a chance to get the offense going and get those points off turnovers. And I think those will, though, that when you kind of leave points on the board or off the board against a team like KC, they're going to make you pay, though, and eventually come back and get points on you. I think, though, Isaiah, that Pat Mahomes had a very great tweet, though, when the game was over, that he has this love-hate relationship playing at Hard Rock Stadium in Miami, as we know that the uh, uh, Chiefs did, in fact, win the Super Bowl over the Niners there uh, at that stadium last season. But Isaiah Moore, so, hey, veteran-led teams, they'll find a way to win games when they don't play their best like today, though. And, of course, the Dolphins uh, had that lead early but cannot sustain that lead throughout the course of the game. Isaiah, your takeaways is the Chiefs uh, win their uh, fifth straight AFC West Division title with a 33-27 victory down there in Miami over the Dolphins. Well, Callan, before I get into this game – 
I got to wave the white flag on this, uh, on one of my predictions once again. Uh, I said. Wow. This day really hurt because not only did my 49ers get eliminated from the uh, NFL playoff chase, but you guys know my infamous prediction uh, that I made before the season. That was the Denver Broncos would stun the world and win the AFC West. And I got to wave the white flag on that. Uh, congratulations to Patrick Mahomes, Andy Reid, Travis Kelsey, Tyreek Hill, Tyron Matthew, and the entire Kansas City Chiefs organization. They proved me wrong. Their offense was electric like they always are. But, you know, this season, the thing that I ripped the Kansas City Chiefs in the offseason uh, was their defense. I said that their defense was one of the worst defenses in the NFL. I said that me, Callen, and John Mathis could probably score touchdowns on that defense. And they proved me wrong this season. They have been... They have been playing like a top 15 defense in the entire NFL. They've actually played really good football, and I gotta give them. Like, what? Yes. What I gotta give them props. I was wrong on that prediction. I'm never, ever, ever going to bet against Patrick Mahomes, Andy Reid, and the Kansas City Chiefs once again. They made me eat lots of crow, so that's why I'm waving that white flag on that prediction. Congrats to the Chiefs on winning another AFC West title. But, Callan, about this game, the reason why the Dolphins lost this game was because they have a great defense. The Dolphins have a very good defense, but their offense is just not quite yet on par with uh, how good their defense is. I think their def or their offense can get much better, but against a team that is extremely potent, like the Kansas City Chiefs are with Mahomes, with Tyreek Hill, with Travis Kelsey, and the rest of the gang, you got to score on every single possession and on every single takeaway to have a chance to beat them because those takeaways are free possessions that they are giving to you so you have to cash it in and the Dolphins not cashing those uh, turnovers in really hurt them in this football game I know Tua rallied the troops down the stretch but it was too little too late as those uh or as not cashing in on those turnovers really really cost them and you got to do that against a team that is potent as the Kansas City Chiefs you know, Isaiah, we I think you and I can speak volumes about this, though, throughout the course of the baseball season, is that you can't give teams like the Dodgers and the Yankees, for example, free opportunities to get to score runs and get back in the game. Same thing in the NFL. You really can't give Kansas City, more so in my mind, free opportunities to get back in a ball game, and especially though when the defense 
for the most part, did their job early. Again, they had that deflected, uh, the the, uh, deflected interception. They had another interception. And again, they really, they had that also that 30 yard sack though, too, in this game. But yet though, something was not quite there. And again, I think that you're right though about the offense with the Dolphins not quite being there yet, but I think that they're definitely making strides. And especially though, when you see Isaiah, like we've talked about though with the Niners and the Bears and other teams that have changed quarterbacks mid-season, those two franchises, you and me both would know, they have not panned out as this year has gone on. But the Dolphins kind of got fortunate that it has worked outright pretty well at this rate. And now, of course, the Dolphins are 8-5, though. I think, though, this is more about the Dolphins, sadly, in my mind, not being able to, you know, get those points off those turnovers. That's, that's what I think sadly hurt them in this game, though. But also a young quarterback, you know, getting his feet wet still, uh, one, maybe two, uh, perhaps costing mistakes that he made though with Tua Tagovailoa in this game, and again the veteran experience though wins the uh, wins the ball game in my mind for this one between the Chiefs and the Dolphins. Plenty of thoughts, Isaiah, my uh, good friend Taylor writes in. Ugh, sorry, Isaiah, but the Niners really suck this year. White flag is out. Our good man Julio Mendez saying hello to everybody, and I gave up on the Texans for this season a while ago. I feel your pain, buddy. Same here with us too right now with both Chicago and uh, San Francisco. Taylor is asking if uh, I'm a fan of the Bears. I'll have a good story about that in my final thoughts of tonight's program. Taylor also agrees so that turnovers did hurt in this game for both, uh, more so I think for Miami, but again, the Chiefs though, again, kind of a sleepwalking or sleepwalk through that first half for a bit. James is writing in saying hello to everybody. He also says, that white flag, white flag doesn't wave so much, Mr. Leung. Christy Wilson also chimes in. I think everybody knew that the Chiefs were going to win the division this season. Everybody but the guy in square two thought that here this season. And also, Taylor agrees. You got to give credit, though, where credit is due. Tyler Work writes in, Cowan doing more sound drops than a morning drive time radio DJ. I've learned from the best. Shout out DJ Shauna, my good friend working for the Milwaukee Bucks in the NBA. And James also says, facts in regards to, again, more so, I would think it's about the turnovers more so hurting in this game for the Dolphins. But again, folks, it is Miami faltering. Sally to KC in this ballgame, 33-27. The Chiefs can win their fifth straight AFC West Division Championship and right now still hold on to that number one seed, which, as we all know, is the only seed at getting a first round bye in the NFL postseason. With that, Isaiah from Miami to Soldier Field in Chicago as the Bears finally snapped that six-game uh, losing streak as they clobber Houston. Pretty handily, 36-7 Chicago wins uh, this game, though, Isaiah. More so about the world-famous Chicago Bears defense with not one, not two, not three, not four, not five, not even six. Seven sacks of Deshaun Watson in this ballgame, including... Khalil Mack racking up a safety in this ballgame as the Bears get instant offense, Isaiah. But it's an offensive game, though, that the Bears have been waiting for this entire season. And I think that the tone was set, Isaiah, from the get-go of this ballgame as David Montgomery ran 80 yards for a touchdown on the Bears' first drive of the game. Mitchell Trubisky with three touchdown passes. Allen Robinson makes up for uh, the, uh, the mistake he made last week against the Lions with a TD pass. Darnell Mooney with a very impressive rookie year gets another TD pass and also Jimmy Graham, another touchdown pass. So I think Isaiah, probably for the first time this entire season, my beloved Bears put together a entire 60-minute effort from start to finish. But more so, Isaiah, it's also, though, man, two games, though, for a offense who is just not being able to get, to ju to get jump-started. 
over the course of the season with, you know, three and outs early or scoring points in garbage time that for two games in a row, though, Chicago gets instant offense, not field goals, but I'm talking touchdowns against Detroit last week. And again, David Montgomery chugs for an 80-yard touchdown pass to set the tone early, and Chicago again wins handily, but more so Isaiah. Great game again by the Chicago defense. Seven sacks to Deshaun Watson, as mentioned, including a safety by Khalil Mack. And by the way, can the Bears please wear those 1936 throwbacks for the remainder of the season? Because those are some pretty kick-ass uniforms. And still unbeaten, I believe, is what the team said on Twitter in those uniforms. But with that, Isaiah, uh, your thoughts as Chicago snaps that six-game losing streak and clobbers Houston, both on offense and more so, Isaiah. The big bad monsters of the midway do it again with seven sacks of Watson, including a safety, as they win 36-7 and win handily at home today in Chicago. Kellen, my thoughts on this is why, why, why did the Bears offense have to decide that today, today of all days was the day they had to wake up and have a tremendous why, performance? Why, I, why do the fantasy football gods hate me? Why? In case you folks are curious, Isaiah's losing to Trevor Williams from No BS by 80-plus points in our Fantasy Football League playoffs. This is even after he changes the league rules to let him in the postseason as the sixth and final seed. Oh, I'm sorry, Isaiah, back over to you. First of all, for those results, I don't accept defeat. I demand a recount. Uh, secondly, uh I could not believe what I was seeing out there at Soldier Field. I mean, the Bears looked like a complete team. This was like the first game, I think, all season that we can clearly say that the Bears offense, defense, and special teams had A-plus performance games. I mean, it was a sound effort from across the board. Mitchell Trubisky looked really comfortable today. He was 24 of 33 for 267 yards, three touchdowns, no interceptions. The defense was phenomenal. The running game, like Callan mentioned, with David Montgomery, 11 carries, 113 yards, and a touchdown. Uh, Allen Robinson was phenomenal. It was just a sound effort from... Uh, from top to bottom. And Callan, I really think what really helped Mitchell Trubisky uh, settle and have a great performance in this football game was the David Montgomery 80-yard touchdown run. Absolutely. Because, yeah, because after that 80-yard touchdown run, you could just see that Mitch was playing freely. He was having fun out there on the field. He was playing with such great energy, such great joy, great confidence. When your football team has lost that many games like the Bears have, you have to you have to have that like one burst, like that 80-yard touchdown run uh, for you to settle in and be like, okay, we got this, guys. And that was what happened with the defense getting seven sacks against Deshaun Watson, just pummeling the Texans' offense, and then the big run by David Montgomery. That was what set the tone for the Bears in this football game. That's why the Bears' offense finally woke up and had a great game. It's because they they just played relaxed, you know, like because they had the lead. They just played relaxed. They played their they played their game. And, you know, the Bears ultimately win this football game 36-7. to I was really impressed uh, by the Bears. And, you know, if they can, like, because I, I know 
the Bears' playoff hopes are faint. But if the Bears can play like this for the remainder of their schedule, they've got the Jaguars, they've got um, the Vikings. Yeah, they've got uh, yeah Minnesota. They got Green Bay. That's three games. If the Bears can play this way, I believe they could maybe win out or go two and one because you know, Cal, in the final week against Green Bay, Green Bay's not. I don't think it's going to be playing their starters. I think they're going to be resting their starters because they already clinched the NFC North. So that final week, they're really not going to have anything to play for. So you might see be seeing the uh, the Packers backups. So I could see if the Bears play like how they did today, that's a big if. But if they do, I honestly could see um, the Chicago Bears winning out and maybe just maybe getting into the postseason and making you a very, very happy man. But, Cal, and I'm just wallowing in, or wallowing in sorrow right now because the Bears offense, Mitchell Trubisky, Matt Nagy, and that offense – on the one day I decide to start a defense against them because they've been so bad all year long, it backfires in my face. And I only I get negative two points from the Houston Texans defense. They were projected for eight points, I believe. I get negative two. And now I'm losing to – or I've lost to Trevor in fantasy football, and I'm eliminated because of that game. Isaiah, you are right, though. It's a massive – if it's not a win, but if the Bears can win out again, I don't really feel that great about them playing Green Bay with or without starters. Minnesota, they already lost to earlier this season. That though was with uh, with uh, Montgomery not being able to play though due to concussion protocol, and also Nick Foles with uh, his last start of the season before he was injured with that hip injury. And also, of course, you have Jacksonville, who's lost eleven straight games now in the season. I think more so, Isaiah. What what I have seen though change over the past two games more so than the Green Bay loss, but with Detroit, the loss last week, and this game on Sunday against Houston, was the Bears getting instant offense, as I said. You know, this, this wasn't a game that we had seen where the Bears would drive down the field and the, and, and then the engine fails, and they they run the ball, they don't get the first down, they have drop passes, and they have to settle for, for Kyle Santos kicking field goals early in games. That's what I think really killed them, though, against Green Bay at Lambeau was when they had the long run by David Montgomery. They shot themselves in the foot three times in a row from the goal line, and they had to kick the field goal. And, of course, they were behind the eight ball from Jump Street, basically. But in this game, and even with Detroit last week, I know, of course, that the Bears gave that game away uh, with that, with, you know, with the uh, the 10-point swing or the lead going away with four minutes to go last week, but that they had instant offense, you know, either 7 nothing. 14 nothing. But I think that Isaiah is right, though, that with David Montgomery getting that opening touchdown, that just set the tone for the Bears' offense. But not just that, though, as well. Like we say, though, Isaiah, and I say a lot, though, for 101 years of this organization's history, you know, the found, one of the founding members of the NFL, the Bears have been known for, for you know, scary, intimidating, and flat-out ridiculously insane defenses. They've been known about that throughout the course of their history. And today was no exception to the rule, Isaiah. And more so for me, though, the offense was great, though. But man, oh, man, you know, Khalil Mack, sack for a safety. Roquan Smith getting involved. Mario Edwards Jr. getting involved. Again, seven sacks of Deshaun Watson. But of course, Isaiah, I know that people had tweet uh, tweets ready, though, but said, but it was against Houston. Seven sacks in a game, Isaiah, regardless if it's against Houston, an unbeaten ball club, or, you know, high school, college, JV, varsity, college, whatever, 
That's a pretty uh, impressive stat line, Isaiah. How about Chicago's defense more so in this game as well, along, of course, with the offense who finally may have uh, found themselves, but maybe, though, too little too late at this stage of the season? Well, Callan, the, uh, the defense bounced back from their lackluster performances the last couple of games. You know, the defense has given up a lot of points, you know, against Green Bay. Uh, it wasn't really their fault because uh, Green Bay, in the Green Bay game, uh, they were just on the field for far too long because the offense couldn't do anything in like the first three quarters. And then that's why the Bears defense, they were on the field too long. They got tired. They gave up a lot of points. And then same thing in the Detroit game. Offense kept stalling. Defense was on the field, got worn down, started giving up a lot of points that's why the Bears lost but in this football game the offense finally put drives together they uh, put points on the board and it let the defense get rest in this game and uh, the defense was refreshed. They were ready to go. That's why you saw what happened today. Khalil Mack had a monster game. Roquan Smith chipped in. He had a great day. And the defense ended up with seven sacks. Is because they finally weren't worn down uh, in this football game. From It was just a great performance by the defense. The defense came ready to play. And I feel bad for Deshaun Watson because the guy has been with a behind a terrible offensive line the last couple of years and you just saw that today um he got sacked seven times and if the texans do not improve that offensive line i don't care how good deshaun watson is you're not gonna be winning many games with that garbage of an offensive line man seven sacks though regardless and i think pretty much isaiah all day deshaun watson was running for his life. He was scrambling left and right, and there was nowhere to go. Minus the touchdown pass he had, though, he got free for a moment. But again, with Mack, Roquan Smith, Mario Williams, there was nowhere for him to go in this ballgame. Plenty of thoughts, though, Isaiah, about today's game. Christy Wilson first writes in the Bears defense, came to play today again with seven sacks by the Chicago defense and also the offense. One thing else, though, finally uh, showing up today. Taylor agrees, total team effort by Cowan's Bears today. Again, more so like Isaiah said, though, that 80-yard TD by David Montgomery, that right there set the tone uh, for the Bears in this ballgame. Julio Mendez, the Bears defense is scary good. The Texans defense, pretty horrible. And I would think, though, as well, Julio, you know, J.J. Watt can only do so much. But also the offensive line, like Isaiah said, though, that needs to be addressed big time over this upcoming offseason. James agrees, though, Isaiah, refreshing uh, refreshing seeing Chicago score today for their fans. More so, for me, though, James, it's touchdowns more than field goals because I kind of get tired of tweeting out of Cairo Santos kicking field goals. Believe me, I love the guy to death. He's I think he's on pace right now. If he finishes the year with how he's kicking the ball right now, he'd be tied with Robbie Good as Gold, I believe, for the franchise record for uh, field goal made percentage, I think, for an entire season. So hopefully that Kyle can keep things going. Casey agrees. Hello, everybody. Good evening to uh, you all. And also he says, cannot believe the Bears scored all those points. I, I, you know, I mean, especially for me, I'm like, wow, we actually know how to score touchdowns. Now, the only problem, though, Isaiah, still, the Bears can't score touchdowns, sadly, in the third quarter. They scored one touchdown all year in the third quarter. They've either had zero points or three points all year in the third quarter coming out of the half. So that definitely, I think, needs to change ASAP. With that, Isaiah, sadly, man, it's uh, not a game you really want to talk about. But you know what, man? We have to anyway. But first, let's uh, do this first. Isaiah loses again. Isaiah loses again. Ten games of losing. Isaiah loses again. Skull, 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 skull. 
Skull, 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 still keep on losing. Isaiah loses again. Isaiah loses again. Isaiah loses again. Ten games of losing. Isaiah loses again. He's worse than Stephen Wayne. He's worse than Stephen Wayne. Skills keep on losing. Skull, 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 skull. Thank you, Shareable Steve and his friend Anthony for the uh, song of the night that is Isaiah Loses Again as the Washington football team somehow, someway is now 6-7 and seven and leading the NFC East division as they hold off the Niners in Arizona 23-15. Washington over the San Francisco 49ers. Uh, quick note, though, folks, about this ball game. Alex Smith did, in fact, leave this game, but per reports gathered, it is nothing serious in regards to the leg injury suffered. It has been ruled a strained calf, per reports from Washington, D.C., and per ESPN sources, but we'll keep an eye on that, though. If, in fact, though, more does come out, uh, uh, if anything more comes out of it. But Isaiah, you know, as we know, though, that right now the Bears and Niners are both kind of in a way in the same spot, though, that it's more of a Win out situation, hope for teams to lose, get help from somewhere else. But today, though, man, not the best way, though, for this team to go down for San Francisco today as the uh, unnamed Washington football team, Isaiah, continues, though, man, I think to shock the world and stun NFL football fans with how they, of course, knocked off Pittsburgh. They knock off San Francisco. And, of course, in a very terrible division, though, Isaiah, they now have moved from the bottom part to now first place and in a spot right now to host a first-round playoff game in Landover, Maryland. Isaiah, your thoughts on the game and also uh, how, in fact, you're feeling about your beloved 49ers going down in flames at home in Glendale, Arizona. <sighs> Callan, could we just skip this game, please? I mean, my God, it was an no. utter Well, let me tell you how I feel about this game. First of all, the San Francisco 49ers should have won this game. Uh, this was this game was for their taking. They dominated t uh, time of possession. They their defense dominated that Washington offense, but the 49ers. Somehow, some way, in the two games that I said they needed to win, and that was Washington and Dallas. I said they had to win these two games to have a shot at the playoffs against. What? To have a shot at somehow making the postseason. The playoff hopes are now dead. The season is over. That's why in the beginning of the show, I waved the white flag on the 49ers season. The season is canceled. Uh, truly, it is over. The 49ers lost this game because of stupid drops, stupid penalties. Are you kidding me? Another false start? That's like 15 false start penalties in this first half. Stop Fall started. How hard is it to put your hand on the damn turf and stay still until the snap? Uh. 
that video basically shows my entire feelings towards this game. I mean, it was just a frustrating day all around. There were stupid drops, like I mentioned earlier, stupid false start penalties, stupid like penalties in general, uh, terrible blocking from the offensive line, turnovers. Ladies and gentlemen, the defense for the 49ers allowed just nine points, nine points total. When you see a stat like that, you would think, the 49ers should have – they probably dominated the Washington football team since the defense gave up only nine points. But you know what happened, guys? The 49ers, Nick Mullins, threw a terrible interception. I mean, my gosh, instead of throwing the football away, he decides to try to, you know, try to do a Patrick Mahomes impersonation and sidearms the ball to Kyle Juszczyk, and the defender reads it all the way, picks it off. Uh, his name was Cameron Curl. Cameron Curl picks it off, gets, uh, runs it back to the house for a touchdown, and then a fump right before the half, right before the half, the 49ers are driving. They're at midfield. They're trying to score some points before the half just to salvage that first half. They have good field position. It's first and 10. And what happened? Chase Young runs right by Mike McGlinchey. I mean, Mike McGlinchey looked like... like <laughs> Mike, Mike McGlinchey, this entire day looked like a guy that should not be playing uh, offensive line in the NFL. He should have never been a first-round pick. He looks like a guy that belongs at McDonald's flipping burgers. I mean, that's how pathetic that guy The guy just let Chase Young run right by him. Didn't even put his hands on him or nothing like that. Just watch as Chase Young raced right by him. What are you doing, man? Put some hands on him. Put your body on him. Block the guy, for goodness sake. That's why we're paying you so much money for you to block. We're not paying you so much money for you to watch Chase Young run right by you and sack Nick Mullins. Nick Mullins gets sacked. Uh, he loses the football. Chase Young picks it up and, you know, races back to the house. And that basically uh, was the game right there. Forget the interception by Mullins. The game ended at halftime when Chase Young picks up that football and runs it back for the touchdown. At that point, I was like, yep, I am done with this football game. The Niners offensive line can't block. Uh, McGlinchey, uh, Brunskill, Trent Williams, uh, Grasso, they all look like they should be at McDonald's. What about your boy Colton Mikovitz? Callan, I'm going to spare him because he actually didn't play in this football game since all the Niners offensive linemen remarkably stayed healthy. But these four linemen, they were so pathetic that they looked like they or they, yeah, they made it seem like that me, Callan, John Elkhorn, Stephen Wang, and Furman Lee could block better than these guys. Like, I mean, that's how. That's how pathetic they were. I don't know why we pay them millions and millions of dollars to block because each and every week they just can't do anything. I mean, they just either they stand there or, and watch the defensive ends or the defensive linemen run by people, run by them, or, you know, they just either bear hug people and get called for holding or they let guys uh, beat them. And then what they have to do is, you know, 
wrestle the guy down and get caught for a hold. It's just so pathetic, man. I'm just so done with this offensive line. At this rate, Callan, I wouldn't be surprised if Dallas blows us out next week because we can't protect Nick Mullins. I mean, I feel so bad for Nick Mullins. The guy is getting hit like crazy. Uh, he's Every time he releases the football, he gets hit. It's just so pathetic, this offensive line. I'm just so sick and tired of it. And then I got to – I got to go at the receivers, man. Brandon Ayu, Kendrick Bourne, you guys had like 10 passes that were right in your hand. Nick Mullins put it right in your grill, and you guys just drop it. Help your quarterback out. Catch the damn ball for one. Like, it's just so frustrating. We can't catch the ball. We can't block. Uh, you know, our defense does very well, and we can't repay them for their efforts. The season is over. The Niners need a brand new offensive line. Uh, they need all of those players on their offensive line needs to be cut immediately. Um, you know, they need a new quarterback. Uh, Raheem Mostert keeps getting hurt. He's made out of glass. Every time you see him get, uh, run the football, he comes out, comes out for like 10 plays because he has like a stinger on his knee. And then Jeff Wilson Jr. fumbles the ball every time he touches it. So every part of our offense needs to be overhauled if we want to get back to the Super Bowl. I'm just so done with every single player on this off, uh, on this offense for the 49ers. They're a bunch of scrubs. And it's it seems to to only be getting worse, you know. And and obviously you would think though that the Niners would not overlook an opponent, especially when you have two teams that are not obviously you know, playing great. Now, again, Washington, though, has been known or, again, known, though, for upsetting Pittsburgh, and they look better, though. Alex Smith, of course, great comeback story. But San Francisco, though, you know, them in Chicago, as like we said, though, they're pretty much a ying, uh, you know, they're a ying and a yang right now. They're both so similar. Either it's games of the offense playing bad, the defense plays great, defense plays bad, offense plays great, and it's not been a full team effort minus Chicago today. But more so, the you know, the offensive line for the Niners has been, I think, very much under scrutiny all season. Uh, blocking, of course, has been one thing, as we already had talked about with uh, our good man, Grant Cohn, just last week when we talked about uh, the Niners on the offensive side of the ball. Uh, of course, the defense is great. But more so, Isaiah, to me, though, it's just the fact, though, of the, the Niners not having any luck because they have been ravaged by injury all season. And I know that like, we really can't use that excuse every time, though. But if they were healthy all season, if George Kittle's out there and if all these guys are healthy, you're talking about a team that's probably, in my mind, still close to 500, maybe not, you know, maybe 500, maybe a game below, but they're still, they're way better than what they're showing right now. But too bad, though, that uh, injuries, though, have pretty much decimated and, you know, basically killed this team's chances of the postseason this year. But uh, Isaiah, back over to you. What do you got? Talon, you want to know the stat of the night? What do you got? The 49ers in this football game had seven false start penalties. That's like, forget, you know, the bad blocking and the drops. That right there is what can kill drives on offense because you're talking about first and 10 becoming second or, or becoming first and 15 or becoming first and 20. Like, I don't even understand these guys. Like, why can't you guys put your hand on the ground? Are you kidding me? Another false start? That's like 15 false start penalties in this first half. Stop 
fault started. How hard is it to put your hand on the damn turf and stay still until the snap? Exactly. How hard is it to put your hand on the turf and stay still until the quarterback snaps the football? I mean, you've been doing that since you were little kids. And don't tell me, oh, yeah, you know, we were disrupted by the snap count. If you're disrupted by the snap count, go to your quarterback, go to your coach, and ask them what the snap count is. Because you're the one on offense, not the defense. So you shouldn't be confused by the snap count. And also, don't tell me that, oh, yeah, the crowd noise effect affected us. There were no fans. So there's no excuses for having seven false start penalties. It's just ridiculous, man. I will say, though, that Tyler Work has a good point, though, Isaiah, to defeat your thoughts of the crowd. They are, though, playing in a opponent stadium, which, again, is a different setting than what you're accustomed to when you're playing in San, you know, in Santa Clara, technically. But, you know, they're going to have false starts. Or they, or he says, of course, they're going to have tons of false starts playing in a opponent's stadium, more so, again, where you're playing not at your actual home venue, where, uh, but more so it's probably, uh, probably in my mind, a mix of both, you know, because, again, you're probably out of sorts because you're not playing at home and stuff like that. Taylor, I agree, though. The NFC East is weak, and Casey also agrees. Yes, the Niners look like a bunch of Higgins out there today, which I really thought they'd beat Washington. Again, Isaiah, it's Huggies, not Higgins. Huggies diapers just in case you forgot already. But again, folks, it is Washington. Now in first place, the NFC East, defeating the Niners in Arizona, 23-15 Washington over San Francisco. Next game up on the docket, Isaiah Green Bay and Detroit from Ford Field. The Packers are able to, uh, able to hold off Matt Stafford and the Lions 31-24 Green Bay as the Packers clinch their second straight NFC North Division Championship and right now also take over the top overall seed in the NFC following the Saints, losing to Philadelphia in this, uh, in their ball game uh, in Philadelphia on Sunday afternoon. Isaiah Morse of the story in this game. Uh, Matt Stafford uh, beat up, banged up, chewed up, and spit out, though, uh, in this ball game. Uh, him leaving with a rib injury, and of course, as well, uh, Aaron Rodgers and, Deont and uh, Devontae Adams remain a formidable uh, force together, a great duo, receiver and quarterback. And uh, with that in mind, as mentioned, the... Uh, uh, but once again, the uh, Packers do win 31-24 over Detroit to win the NFC North Division title for the second straight season. Uh, Isaiah, probably not much to really discuss here, but more so uh, Green Bay, though. Number one overall seed right now is uh, pretty much the talking point here. Isaiah, your thoughts on this ball game as the Pack wins the uh, NFC North once again for the second straight season up there in the North? Well, my first thought on this game is that Matt Patricia was clearly the problem in Detroit because you've seen how the Detroit Lions have played after Matt Patricia and Bob Quinn got fired. They play, they're playing like a totally different team out there. I mean, the Lions, before Matt Patricia got fired, the Detroit Lions, they just looked like they didn't want to be there. They looked like a team that was dead in the water. They were sleepwalking each game. Their offense didn't look, really look that good. Uh, their defense looked out of sorts. But in this football game, I got to give credit to Detroit uh, and Daryl Bevel. Their defense, yeah, their defense played pretty well. Their uh, offense looked in sync, and I was really impressed uh, with the way that or with the job that Daryl Bevel has done so far rallying the troops up there uh, in the Motor City. Um, I don't think he's going to get the job because I think Detroit wants a flashier name than Daryl Bevel. 
But, you know, Daryl Bevel needs to be commended on the job that he's done as the interim head coach of the Detroit Lions. But going to the Green Bay Packers, the Green Bay Packers are going to be a tough uh, they're going to be a tough foe to beat in the playoffs. I mean, Aaron Rodgers is turning back the clock. The guy is playing outstanding football. He was 26 of 33, only um, only misfired seven passes today from 290 yards, three touchdowns, a flawless performance. Aaron Jones, 15 carries, 69 yards. Jamal Williams, 10 carries, 38 yards. They ran the football pretty good, which is what uh, Matt LaFleur wants in his offense. And then you talk about Devontae Adams. Devontae Adams is extremely scary. He's playing the best football of his career right now. Seven catches, 115 yards, and a touchdown. Him and Aaron Rodgers remain a formidable duo. Marquise Valdez-Scantling, he's come on strong last few weeks. Six catches, 85 yards, and a touchdown. Then you got guys like Robert Tanyan Jr. that not a lot of, not a lot of guys – know about he had five catches for 36 yards and a touchdown Alan Lazard chipped in but you know I think even though Green Bay won this game I think this this the story of this game was more about how Detroit has looked post Matt Patricia than they did when Patricia was there like James Gonzalez says the Lions are playing free and easy now they're playing with like they have nothing to lose they're just having fun out there on the football field and you can see the difference that the firing has made in the last two weeks. Isaiah, I think I kind of talked about that point a while back more so. Talking about teams playing in wake of a coach being fired is that it becomes like, as James said, though, free and easy, but also that I think more so that, especially I think last week against Chicago and this week, Detroit's been hanging in there. They've been taking body blow, body blow, body blow, but they don't take the knockout punch. They've not, And they've done a great job of not doing that post Patricia's firing but more so I think though too that the writing in my mind was kind of on the wall with Patricia especially though when he had players celebrating like it like they just won the damn Super Bowl Isaiah they were celebrating on their bye week when they were not they didn't have to be around Matt Patricia so that just tells you right there there was something very toxic in that locker room amongst amongst the players and the coaching staff but again the alliance hang tough though now again folks as we already had said though in a roundabout way but sadly Matt Stafford was in fact uh, hurt in this game they are calling it a ribs injury. He did not return in this ball game, as the uh, Packers did win, and, and uh, as mentioned already, but the uh, Packers win their second straight NFC North Division Championship. Um, with that in mind, Tyler says about the opponent stadium thing, sarcasm. I, at the same time, though, I thought it was great, though. But even then, though, sometimes you can get thrown off, though, when you're not playing in your home or uh, own venue. You know, maybe you know, maybe there's a Cardinals employee up there pushing buttons to throw the 49ers off, maybe. I mean, honestly, you never know in that kind of situation. So it may be sarcastic, Tyler, but you never know who's working back, you know, behind the scenes when a team like a rival in the division is playing in your in your own stadium. You mess with them a little bit. Why not? Uh, with that in mind, James says, credit to Detroit again for uh, playing everyone tough. Lions have been playing free and easy. Casey agrees, though, with you, Isaiah, that they will be tough to beat, especially if they uh, have uh, have home field advantage the whole way. But they can be beat just like all the teams in the NFC. All the teams have flaws. Pack defense can be shaky. But I think, though, oh, man. I mean, you're talking about playoff football in Lambeau, the frozen tundra, and that, I think, becomes a huge advantage for Green Bay in my mind. But, Isaiah, back over to you. That is why I told Trevor on no BS this past Friday that right now 
the NFC, when it comes to who's the favorite in the NFC, I'm going to go with the Los Angeles Rams because the Los Angeles Rams right now, they have less problems or less question marks than all the other teams that in the NFC do. You talk about New Orleans. We don't know how Drew Brees is going to look once he comes back from those broken ribs. I think he's going to be he's going to be playing through those broken ribs. So we don't know how he's going to look. You know, he we don't know if he's going to be back to the Drew Brees that we know and love, or he could be back to a different Drew Brees that is not really that good. So. New Orleans, that's their biggest question mark. Green Bay, they have a great offense. Aaron Rodgers, you know, Jamal Williams, uh, Aaron Jones, Devontae Adams. But what about their defense? I mean, their defense, like KC King has mentioned, their defense is very, very shaky. But the Rams, their offense has come on strong as of late. Their offensive line is playing extremely good football right now. Jared Goff's putting, playing extremely good football. Uh, their defense is one of the best in the NFL. I just think right now, if you have to ask me about who's the front runner in the NFC because it's a wide open conference, I got to go with the Rams because they are just a more complete team filled with less question marks. Definitely agreed for sure. But again, folks, as mentioned, the Packers win the game over the Lions and clinch and clinch their second straight NFC North Division title. Last game for the uh, for the day, Isaiah, the Saints and Eagles, as we kind of alluded to in the prelude to the uh, last game between Green Bay and Detroit. But the Saints, though, see their nine-game win streak snapped by the Eagles and by Jalen Hurts in his debut start, wins it for the Eagles 24-21. Philadelphia over New Orleans from Lincoln Financial Field out there in Philadelphia, PA. You know, Isaiah, it's probably, I think, for Philadelphia, pretty much the season is also down the drain, sadly, for Philadelphia. But I think, though, man... This becomes, I think, the bigger quarterback controversy as the offseason does, in fact, begin for teams that are not going to make the postseason with Chicago, San Francisco. But now, though, Isaiah, the big dilemma, though, right now in Philadelphia, Wentz and all that money on the bench for Jalen Hurts. So far, Isaiah, I like the idea by Doug Peterson. But right now, though, as well, I can report, though, during the course of the uh, last couple hours, though, Isaiah, that Doug Peterson is not committed, though, to a starting quarterback yet for their next game on Sunday. So it could be Wentz again. It could be back to Jalen Hurts. But I think, Isaiah, right now, if it's not broke, don't fix it. Exactly. If it's not broke, don't fix it. And, Callan, I got to disagree with you. I don't think the Eagles' season are done yet. I, the Philadelphia Eagles right now, they're only one game back of the Washington football team for that NFC East lead. So they can still make the playoffs uh, and or they can still win the NFC East and make the playoffs. And I honestly believe that Doug Peterson making the move from Jay Carson Wentz to Jalen Hurts might be one of the best moves of the season and it might serve as a rallying cry for this Philadelphia Eagles team. I don't think they're going to win the Super Bowl. I don't think they're going to go far in the NFC playoffs. But I think that this is a type of move that can – rally the troops and get them to play much better football than they have right now. I mean, Jalen, this offense with Jalen Hurts just looked like a totally different offense out there. Jalen Hurts looked like Lamar Jackson out there. I mean, he was running around like crazy. The Saints couldn't stop him. He had 18 carries for 106 yards. And with Jalen Hurts running the football uh, extremely well, that got a lot of guys a lot of opportunities to have great days as well. Miles Sanders, 14 carries, 115 yards, two touchdowns. Jalen Hurts passing the ball wide, 17 of 30, 167 yards, one touchdown, zero interceptions. Did a pretty good job throwing the ball as well as running the ball. Now with 
uh, with this switch, when the Eagles and Carson Wentz, they were kind of just like a one-dimensional offense. You just had to stop the run, make Carson Wentz throw the football. But now you have to account for the fact that Jalen Hurts can hurt you with his legs, something that Carson Wentz can't do. So I think that this could be a rallying cry for the Eagles. I think that he provided a spark for the Eagles. And if Doug Peterson goes back to Carson Wentz, I think that would be one of the most dumbest decisions that uh, a coach can make because you've seen what Jalen Hurts provides for this offense. You see what um, player, like the players um, around him do when Jalen Hurts is playing. He just brings a different type of energy. He brings more joy to this team. Uh, I think that Doug Peterson needs to commit to Jalen Hurts as the starter moving forward. Isaiah, I alluded to this at the top of the show, basically, when we had talked about the Bears and Niners having quarterback carousels uh, and stuff like that. And we've seen, like we said, Isaiah, we've seen examples of it not working right away. Chicago, San Francisco mainly. Then, though, you have Miami. And now I think if you're Doug Peterson, you have to really look hard at this, that Okay, maybe I may have overstepped the boundary saying that the season might be over, though, because of the length of you know games left, though. But, of course, if you have a loss here and you win a game, you're right back in this mix, especially on that very bad NFC East division. But I think, though, that if you're looking at how the NFL has looked so far with quarterback carousels, Chicago, San Francisco, those two have not worked. Then you look at Miami. They go from Fitzpatrick midseason to Tua Tagovailoa. That works out. To me, though, that this might be building some steam, some steam though, for Philadelphia. The only reason I think, Isaiah, that I think that the Eagles go back to Carson Wentz is due to the money. And I think that's what I think is sadly going to hold this club back for a bit because you're talking about a quarterback who, again, has been sadly prone to injury, not really mobile, and really does not have, in my mind, a very good arm with how he's seen interceptions at the worst possible time. And he just doesn't look very confident out there. Whether, like we said, though, I think Isaiah with Grant Cohn last Thursday, comparing uh, Wentz and Garoppolo, they're both two quarterbacks who I think are a little bit skeptical to run the ball or move out of the pocket or elude the pressure because of injuries that they have sustained while they were running the ball as a running quarterback, where you're talking about ripped ACLs. And that sadly can stay in the player's mind for a long time, though. But I would think, though, if the Eagles go back for the sole reason or go back, in my mind, to Wentz, it sadly, in my mind, boils down to the reasons why, well, we got to pay this guy. And I know that, of course, that that cap hit is going to be atrocious for the Eagles over the next several months, though. But I think, though, hopefully that Doug Peterson doesn't change this Eagles offense. But if they do, though, it probably, I think, spells the end of their regular season because it would have been about, well, we got to play Carson Wentz because we owe him $58 million, whatever it is for next season. It's going to be all about the money and not about winning ball games and getting you uh, getting back to the postseason. That's where I'm at right now at this time. But again, folks, it is the Saints faltering to uh, the Eagles. And Jalen Hurts' starting debut, 24-21 Philadelphia over the New Orleans Saints. Plenty of thoughts. Isaiah, first and foremost. Angel agrees with you that the Rams are the most complete team, plus no one talks about the Rams being the NFC, uh, uh, being the best in the NFC. Tyler says, while I agree, though, agree, though, about playing in Lambeau in the winter is huge, one of the Packers' biggest weak spots is stopping the run, which teams are likely to do in cold weather slash snowy slash rainy games. I will throw one more caveat in there. What about during 
fog games, too, as we had seen in the uh, college ranks over the past uh, day or so. James says Jalen Hurts should have put him in earlier in the season and maybe would have had a shot at the division, and it was fun to watch him run and pass in the game. Casey also agrees that Hurts looked pretty good. I do believe, though, that Wentz is going to be run out of town in the offseason. Isaiah, I, I would love to agree with that sentiment, though, man, but like I said, though, the money and the contract, though, sadly, keeps Wentz, in my mind, in Philadelphia for the long haul because of that massive cap hit against the Eagles, in my mind. Where do you stand on this, though, and why? Yeah, unfortunately, I got to agree with you. I think that Carson Wentz ultimately stays in Philly because I just don't see a team out there taking on his contract. Because when you look at the teams that need quarterbacks, right, Jets, Jaguars, 49ers, Bears, uh, I'm pretty sure I'm missing a whole bunch of teams. But let's stay with these four. The Jets, they're going to draft Trevor Lawrence. They're, they're in position to get the number one pick. The Jacksonville Jaguars, they're getting Justin Fields. They're in position to get the number two pick. Um, the 49ers, they're in position right now. If they do lose out to get a top 10 pick, they might take a quarterback as well. Or they could trade for Matt Ryan, who uh, Kyle Shanahan has a lot of familiarity with. Uh, and also Grant told us that Kyle Shanahan, I think, would rather have Mitchell Trubisky than uh, Carson Wentz because he had lots of high praise. He even tweeted out Trubisky's stats from today's game as well on Twitter. I loved it. Yeah, he did. And, you know, I think that Trubisky would be a like I felt like Trubisky would be the uh, better option than Wentz for Shanahan's offense simply because Shanahan just really loves Trubisky for some reason. I don't know why, but apparently he loves him. Um, and the last team is the Bears, you know, and I, I really don't think the Bears will take Carson Wentz because the Bears have already had like or they've taken on quarterbacks that have uh you know, massive contracts and also quarterbacks that are, you know, injury prone. And that's what Carson Wentz is. They, the Bears already have that with Nick Foles. So I don't think Carson Wentz is an upgrade over Foles and uh, Trubisky. I think what the uh, the Bears should do uh, is to try to, if Matthew Stafford is available, to try to get him, if Matt Ryan's available, to try to get him or draft the young quarterback because Matt, uh, Matt Nagy, and Ryan Pace are probably going to be shown the door after the season. So you're going to be starting over with a brand new coaching staff. We will see how things go. But Casey, great point, though. But again, Sally, that contract, though, with Wentz just does not uh, really, I think, intrigue anybody. Angel Berrigan Jr. writes in, the Niners season is dead. See you in 2021. Casey also says, do not rule out Philadelphia yet, winning the East just yet. I believe that they, uh, believe that they, uh, that they can beat the Cardinals, a.k.a. the Frauds, next weekend. James also said, must be refreshing for the Eagles fans seeing their new quarterback run out of the pocket and make things happen. Easily and definitely. Angel agrees, though. Carson has never been the same since he tore his ACL versus the Rams a couple years ago. And Casey says the Jets would be stupid to take Carson Wentz laughing out loud. It's not going to happen anytime soon. But again, folks, it is the Eagles and Jalen Hurts over the Saints 24-21 from Lincoln Financial Field. With that, Isaiah, a developing story in the NFL. Uh, two weeks in a row, though, man, we see defensive coordinators lose their jobs hours after ball games conclude. First, it was uh, Greg Williams with the Jets last week after the Raiders, uh, of course, had that game-winning touchdown pass after the all-out blitz. Today, though, it is Paul Gunther, the Raiders defensive coordinator, being shown the door in Las Vegas after the uh, Colts Absolutely torched the Raiders in uh, in Vegas 
44 20, uh, uh, score and giving up 44 points. And above all else, Isaiah practically knocking out the Raiders from playoff contention for the season. Isaiah, very strange though, man, to see two coach, uh, two uh, two defensive coordinators blown out and shown the door two weeks in a row, man. Give us your thoughts and reaction again, Paul Gunther of the Raiders. Shown the door by John Gruden and the Raiders after the uh, dismal performance by the uh, Raider defense at home, nonetheless, against the Colts on Sunday. Uh, I'm not surprised by this move. The Raiders' biggest problem this entire season, and even last season as well, was their defense. They've never had a good defense under John Gruden. And, you know, when you look at the Raiders' defensive stats, you, it's easy to make why Paul Gunther was let go. I mean, the Raiders, they gave up 4,538 total offensive yards uh, in 12 games so far this season. Um, their defense is ranked 22nd in the entire NFL. Not good at all. Uh, their defense is giving up 378.2 passing yards a game, uh, one of the highest in the entire NFL. Uh, they're, they're, uh, they're also giving up, I believe, 200 – or no, no, they're giving up 378.2 total offensive yards per game, 257.1 passing yards per game, and 121 rushing yards per game. The rushing yards rank uh, in the bottom of the entire NFL – the passing yards, they're kind of in the middle. But the one thing holding this Raiders team back is the defense. You know, they've got a great uh, offense with Derek Carr, with Josh Jacobs, with Darren Waller, uh, and those guys on that offense. If the Raiders can somehow get a good defense, not even a great defense, just get a good defense, the Raiders, I believe, could be in contention for the AFC West, because that's just how good their offense are. You know, they just need to find a good defense. And you got, like, good young talent on that defense with Max Crosby, with uh, Jonathan Abram, the safety. Uh, you also have Cleveland Farrell. You also have um, – I'm forgetting the linebacker's name. But this Raider defense, they've got talent. And right now, I just don't think they were utilized properly. And if I'm John Gruden, I would have – uh, fired Paul Gunther after last season because their defense for the like the first two seasons of the Gruden era has just been a downright disaster. I mean, just Callan, just look at this. This was, I believe, the first or second year under Gruden. They gave up 34 points, 34 points to an injury-riddled 49ers team led by Nick Mullins in his first start. He should have been fired after that game was over uh, for all I'm concerned. You know, Isaiah, it's very weird. I Not weird, but, you know, obviously firings happen. Coaches get blown out, though. But I think, though, for two weeks in a row, though, you see coordinators uh, blown out, though. More so, again, Greg Williams loses his job because of the blitz that was called against the Raiders. And now it's Paul Gunther being blown out. Is It's like, man, oh, man. You know, and I think that you're right, though, Isaiah. The Raiders aren't far away. They're like, they're they're right at, you know, they're knocking on the door. They're a step away from kind of being, you know, right back in the mix. But I think, though, the defense has got to be worked on over this offseason. Trades, free agency, draft, you name it. But, you know, the Raiders, they're not going away. They're right, like I said, they're they're on the goal line of getting back into the, uh, to the mix finally after a long time away from the postseason. Plenty of thoughts, though, from our resident Raider fan, James Gonzalez. Thank goodness Paul Gunther is gone. He's years behind in his defensive schemes. Being a Raider fan is like taking one step forward, 
then eight steps backwards. Ugh. Isaiah, I will say, though, that I believe that our buddy Martin Garcia, our website designer, social media guru, behind-the-scenes guy for the network, said it best, though, or at least dropped one name in to the host chat tonight, and that was Rob Mar uh, Mar uh, Marinelli, who may, in fact, be on the block, perhaps. Isaiah, who probably do you think out there should the Raiders entertain for the de uh, defensive coordinator position? Marinelli or someone else, or who do you think? Um... I would say right now, I think Marinelli, you know, he doesn't really like entice me because he's been a defensive coordinator in the past and his defenses weren't really that good in the latter uh, parts of his tenure with the Dallas Cowboys. That's why they had to bring in Chris Richard to call plays because Marinelli just wasn't getting the job done. But, you know, in terms of potential like candidates for defensive coordinator um i would go with gus bradley because i think the chargers are probably going to fire anthony lynn that means that gus bradley is going to be let go and he's going to be free to go to wherever place that he wants gus bradley is a proven de defensive mind uh he did really good with seattle uh not really that well with jacksonville the chargers defense has been Pretty good under Gus Bradley's tutelage. So I would go with him. Uh, Vic Fangio, if he's fired, definitely the Raiders have to uh, put in a phone call to get Vic Fangio because he's one of the best defensive coordinators in the NFL. Uh, I'm trying to look at other uh, potential defensive coordinators. Uh, you know, how about – I don't know if this would happen, Callan, uh, but I'm – what it – how about maybe add Donatel also from the Broncos because he runs that uh, Vic Fangio type defense. Uh, and if Fangio gets let go, he would probably get let go as well. So uh, those would be those would be my three potential candidates for this Raiders defensive coordinator job. I'm not fully sure who I would think would be a, would be in a prime spot. Uh, Rob Marinelli was thrown out there by Martin Garcia, our uh, website designer for the network in the host chat. You know, I've kind of thought about Chuck Pagano, but I would think, though, that he might be in line for the Bears job if, in fact, the Bears do, in fact, can Matt Nagy because I think the Bears would be more so driven to get a defensive-minded coach who they've been known for that. As mentioned, Fangio, if he's fired from Denver, uh, maybe perhaps even, as you mentioned, with uh, his defensive coordinator, Gus Bradley. I don't know, Isaiah, but for some reason, though, Wade Phillips has popped into my head, though, for majority of the program with this segment. Uh, that might be one that perhaps goes that way too. We'll see what comes out of it. But again, as mentioned, uh, folks, the Raiders have canned Paul Gunther, their defensive coordinator. I understand though, Isaiah, there's one more name you had in your mind that you threw into the private chat on, on screen, but what do you got for us? Two names, actually. Dan Quinn, former defensive coordinator of the Seahawks, former Falcons head coach. Uh, you know, you saw what he did in Seattle with that Seattle defense. Not uh, Didn't really do that well of a job with the Atlanta defense, but I don't think he was the one calling the plays on defense. So I don't really think you can blame him for that. Uh, Dan Quinn is one. And Raheem Morris, uh, yeah. I believe the interim coach of the Atlanta Falcons, Correct. former right. Buccaneers head coach. Uh, he's a guy um, that I believe the Raiders would be interested in because he got his start coaching on John Gruden's staff in Tampa Bay, and he's the guy that succeeded John Gruden in Tampa Bay. So there might be a connection between those two. 
We'll see, but very valid point for sure uh, with that. Some thoughts here more about perhaps potential candidates. James says, how about Rob Ryan? Can he become the new Raiders uh, defensive coordinator? Maybe. We'll see what happens. James says, though, you need a coordinator to stop the run. Love, Wade Phillips. Good to know. Uh, Tyler Work also says, Rex Ryan in Vegas would be pretty entertaining. I would agree in regards to Rex Ryan with the Vegas media. And James says, I would not mind Raheem Morris. Good to know. But again, folks, the Raiders have again fired Paul Gunther in wake of their loss to the Colts on Sunday. Again, they get blitzkrieged at home and give up 44 points in the loss to the Colts on Sunday in Las Vegas. With that, Isaiah, two more college football coaches have been fired. One bombshell and one probably not as a surprise. Isaiah, will give you the floor here for this entire segment. What do you got for us, man, as more college coaches are being shown the door as the uh, college football season does, in fact, wind down as this week progresses on. But what do you got for us today, and what is it? Yeah, so Callan mentioned there was uh, one bombshell and one not uh, really, um, not like a news that wasn't really surprising. Uh, the bombshell was actually came down this morning, and it was a major shock as Auburn has fired their head coach, Gus Malzahn, after eight years. Um, and I believe Lovey Smith also, yeah, Lovey Smith got shown the door at Illinois. Uh, let's start with the with the Auburn one. You know, Gus Malzahn, Callan, I believe that this was a powerful message sent by the Auburn boosters, the Auburn administration, that they're not content with just being okay and being second fiddle to Nick Saban and Alabama in the state of Alabama. Because why would you fire Gus Malzahn uh, if, you know, if that wasn't your message? Gus Malzahn in his entire tenure at Auburn, he was there for eight years. He was 68 and 35, took Auburn to three uh, SEC championship games. He took Auburn to one national title game. Uh, he won the SEC, I believe. Yeah, he won the SEC one time in his entire eight-year tenure at Auburn. He was a very, very good coach. So I don't understand why they did it, but – you know, having done my research on this, uh, actually Auburn has been looking each and like for the past three years, each and every year, you've been hearing rumbling that the boosters aren't happy because they hate being second fiddle to Nick Saban and Alabama in the state of Alabama. So every year it was like Gus Malzahn was walking on the uh, the line of death when it came to his head coaching tenure at Auburn. Like each and every year, even though he would have a good, a great record and he would beat Alabama. You, you wouldn't know if he was going to come back because, you know, the boosters, like they were fundraising lots of money, trying to buy him out, and then – or the administration, they weren't happy with his performance. Uh, but I just think that this was a powerful message that they're not content with being second fiddle. They're not content with just being okay and being like in the middle of the pack in the SEC – Auburn wants to be like Alabama. They want to be contending for national championships year in and year out. And Callan, I don't believe that you pull the trigger on firing Gus Malzahn if you don't have a big time coach ready to replace him. I think they're they I think this has been in the works for a long, long time. I think that they fired him because they got a commitment from a big time coach. And if I have to put a guess on who that guy is, give me Bob Stoops, the former head coach at Oklahoma, who retired because two years ago, 
the Auburn Boosters, they fundraised like a ton of money to pay Bob Stoops' entire contract to try to get him to Auburn. He said no back then. But I'm just thinking, why would you do this with Gus Malzahn if you don't have a star coach lined up to take his place? It just doesn't make sense. They, I'm pretty sure they have a star coach lined up to take his place. I'm guessing it might be Bob Stoops because he's the one big name they, they've been pursuing for a long, long time. Uh, and, you know, if I have to also put another guess in, um, I'd probably say I wouldn't believe it's Hugh Freeze from Liberty because he's not really that like star name that we're talking about. Uh, so I think it's either Bob Stoops or Urban Meyer. It has to be one of those two because there's no way you're firing Gus Malzahn if it, if it isn't for one of those two. And about the Lovey Smith firing, listen, I love Lovey Smith. He was a fantastic coach in the NFL, but sadly I think Callen that his days are in the past, you know, his, yeah, right there, your bears. I just think that his days are in the past. Um, I think that sadly Lovey Smith, um, you know, he's he's just not like a good coach anymore. You saw it like in the latter parts of his tenure with the Buccaneers, and now he goes to college. Illinois just had one winning season in six seasons there. That's not going to get the job done recruiting. They were really bad as well. So uh, it, it makes sense why he was shown the door at Illinois. But the Auburn one is the major shock because you're paying Gus Malzahn in a COVID year. You're paying Gus Malzahn. $25 million not to coach. Yeah, I mean, it, that's the biggest bombshell firing of the college football season, for sure, with Gus Molzahn being fired at Auburn, but also as well, Lovey Smith also canned at the University of Illinois as well on Sunday. And I agree with Isaiah more so. I don't know about Stoops, but I'm more on board with Urban Meyer perhaps going to Auburn. A couple of thoughts from James Gonzalez. I did not think that Auburn would fire Gus, the program, must have someone big on their radar. It would be hilarious or funny if Les Miles was in that running for the Auburn Tigers coaching job. But again, folks, as mentioned, Lovey Smith and Gus Bolzan both fired today on this Sunday from both the University of Illinois and also from the University of Auburn. With that, Isaiah, and in, in, uh, some more shockwave-style news or bombshell news, that is from Major League Baseball. But probably, Isaiah, we saw this coming eventually, but per reports gathered, uh, on Sunday, the Cleveland Indians, after 105 years of being called the Indians, will announce their plans to change their name, logo, and branding as early as this week. Now, folks, a couple of, con of uh, some contradictions here about this story. This move, though, will not be official, per reports gathered from the New York Times and other sources, until the 2022 Major League Baseball season. But they're going to begin laying down the, uh, laying down the framework of a brand new identity in Cleveland after, again, 105 years being called the Indians. You know, Isaiah, sadly, though, man, I wouldn't say it's sadly, uh, sadly but more so with how we have seen the uh, the changing landscape of the world over the past several years, and more so I can kind of vouch for this in San Diego with the San Diego State Aztecs for many, 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 many years the Aztecs were under massive scrutiny for the logo and the name. And they, of course, have done away with the Aztec mascot being their actual logo. They have an SD with a spear. They still have an actual student wearing the Aztec armor with the shield and the spear at football games and basketball games. We've seen Long Beach State, long time known as the 49ers, 
drop the 49ers name due to the California State University School Board saying you need to change your name, change your branding. Also, Cotton, that was SDSU and Cal State East Bay up in your neck of the woods, Isaiah. They also were kind of told to change their branding with the name of Pioneers. We have seen, of course, the Washington football team drop their name. Uh, the Chicago Blackhawks have been under scrutiny in the NHL. They have, uh, I believe I read a report or a letter from the organization saying we're not going to change the name, but fans can no longer wear Native American headdresses to home games at United Center in Chicago. Of course, Florida State, the Atlanta Braves. So I think, Isaiah, I know it's probably difficult to not adapt to the changing times. But I think, Isaiah, though, that I think we all, in a way, whether we want to admit it or not, though, we are living, though, in changing times, though, where names and mascots are now kind of, in a way, becoming under more and more scrutiny. There's more pressure from advertisers, sponsors, the league front office, maybe, the fan base, maybe, even, of course. And I know that, you know, more so, I think, though, Isaiah, if there's any silver lining in this, though, the Cleveland Indians, I think, have handled this situation probably the best among any professional sports organization over the course of the past, I'd say, several years, though, that have been caught in the limelight of a mascot issue, a name issue. Well, they have somewhat, in a way, done it slowly. They still have the name, in, you know, the name, yes, but you don't see Chief Wahoo anymore on a hat or on the jersey sleeves now. They've kind of done away with stuff like that, and now it's going to be, in a way, very slowly phased out as this year does, in fact, finish off. But Isaiah, uh, what are your thoughts about this? I know, of course, that we're living in, you know, in, in a changing times, though, right now, where maybe it's perhaps, you know, people's thoughts uh, on many things, though, but that we are in changing times, though, and that we're trying our best to not step on people's toes. But uh, again, Isaiah's mentioned, though, at least for 2022, again, not right away, though, but come two years from now, we'll see the Indians no longer be uh, being called the Indians for Cleveland uh, for Cleveland's baseball team. Isaiah, your thoughts and stance on this matter, and not just the uh, not just the Indians, though, but I think, Isaiah, more so across the sports world, though, with maybe some franchises or college programs who may, in fact, have some maybe very, perhaps, in, in this day and age, very insensitive mascots or names at this rate in your mind, and uh, what do you think about it? Well, well, Callan, uh, my thoughts on this is I don't like it, but it had to happen. Because when you talk about what we are going through right now uh, in the world and as a country, you know, we're part of uh, it is changing times, as you mentioned. Uh, right now, a lot of these like names that were considered okay is not okay anymore in our society. Uh, just look at the Redskins. They changed their name to the Washington football team. There was a lot of, I mean, they had to because there was a lot of backlash and the Indians, same thing. So we are in a changing society right now, uh, even though I don't like it because, you know, I like, I'm not an Indians fan, but uh, I, I'm a huge baseball fan and the Indians were part of MLB for a long, long time. So it's going to be kind of weird to when I get back to working for the A's, you know, if they, if they're called like the Cleveland spiders or may, may hopefully not the Cleveland baseball team. Hopefully they don't <laughs> what, please, please, uh, Cleveland, do not pull a Dan Schneider and call yourself the Cleveland baseball team or the CBT because it's just going to be so weird, but it's, it's going to be really weird to go back to work and, you know, here, 
the PA announcers say, welcome to the Oakland Coliseum, ladies and gentlemen. Tonight, the Oakland Athletics are playing the Cleveland Spiders. It, it's just going to take some time to get used to, but I agree with you. You know, We're in, we're in a changing society. It had to get done. Uh, so I'm glad that uh, they're getting rid of the name. You know, I think everyone obviously has their right to this or their right to an opinion. Again, I respect everyone's thoughts out there about this, and that's with anything, sports, movies, even the political world. I respect and love anyone's opinion, regardless of what side you're on. I could, again, care less about holding grudges against people because, uh, you know, which way you lean or what. But I do think, though, Isaiah, that more so, like I said, though, we are, again, in changing times, more so at this rate. Uh, with how things are right now. And I we've seen that firsthand, though, with, you know, other teams, like I said, about uh, the Washington football team, you know, uh, other organizations like the Braves have done away with the uh, Native American head. Of course, they still have the uh, actual tomahawk. They've uh, tried to outlaw the tomahawk chop at their home games. Uh, the Chiefs, obviously, we know about the, uh, about the Chiefs in KC, you know, there's stuff like that. But I do think, though, that it's going it, it, it's going to be weird, you know, not hearing the Indians name being announced at any ballpark in Major League Baseball. But that, like I said, though, Isaiah, that probably that the saving grace though for this franchise is they have kind of in a way done this transition. I think they've handled this very, very professionally, you know, not like Dan Snyder in, in, in Maryland with the whole thing with the Redskins and the Washington football team and stuff like that. But I do think, though. Yes, it may in fact be a bit overboard that all these teams have been told have been told to change their branding, change their logo, change the mascot. But that at the same time, though, I think it does though need to be done as more time goes on, and I think that we'll probably see more of this though uh, come out eventually as you know years do in fact go on. Some thoughts though, Isaiah, uh, about this again from James. He says the Cleveland Spiders do sound good. I believe that that was I believe that was their name before they became the Indians. I think. And they had some kind of a rich history. I know, of course, that the Richmond Spiders, the University of Richmond, Virginia, would probably not agree with that nickname. But at the same time, it kind of is what it is. James agrees, though. I do miss Chief Wahoo. I do miss it, too. I will have to get that hat, though, before they are, in fact, done selling that hat for all of eternity. James is asking me, though, if the Aztecs or SDSU did change their nickname, what would you call them? I don't know if they had a mascot pre-Aztecs, but like a lot of these schools, though, I believe they were called the Bulldogs back in the 20s, but we'll see. I, and I think that, sadly, maybe even the USD Toreros may, in fact, set some people off, too. But that's more so someone who's actually, it's bullfighting, but that's an actual sport, though. So I don't see a whole lot there. If, if they had to revert, though, a USD, they could go back to being called the Pioneers, though, too. Like, that was their name before 61. But at the same time, though, uh, you're looking at some issues there, though, as well, with uh, even Cal State East Bay up in Isaiah's Neck of the Woods and Hayward. They were also told, which kind of in a way, uh, uh, the nickname was condemned by the, C uh, the CSU board, and they're called the Pioneers as well. Uh, I know that Point Loma Nazarene Univer uh, that Point Loma Nazarene University was called the Crusaders. They ended up changing their name in 2002 from the Crusaders to the Sea Lions uh, because uh, of the campus location being right on Point Loma on the beach, plus the Navy uses uh, the sea lions and dolphins in the area to uh, sniff out for, you know, uh, mines and bombs in the ocean. And James says, why not the Cleveland Rockers after the very short-lived and defunct women's NBA team? You know, I would think that would be a, that would be a good one. I do, though, James, don't see it happening because the Cavaliers do have a jersey 
dedicated to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. And I don't know the logistics, though, of if Dan Gilbert and the Cavs still have the rights, though, to that franchise, even though the Gunn family, I believe, owned the Rockers. But I like the idea, but I don't see it happening because it's already been one use franchise. I think the Spiders is probably the thing I would do. Isaiah, I think you wanted to chime in about uh, SDSU changing their nickname. What uh, say you for this one? Yeah, I got a couple of ideas. Um, a couple of ideas that I think would represent San Diego really well. Um, if they had to change their name, right, from the Aztecs, how about the San Diego State Seals? I mean, there's a lot of Seals in San Now, the only problem, Isaiah, with your theory is you are infringing on Point Loma Nazarene because they are called the Sea Lions. So that's not sadly going to be applicable. You're also, though, infringing upon the professional lacrosse team here, too, is also called the Seals. So sadly, no. And I got one more name. This is very, very out of the box. Two names, actually. San Diego State Beaches, because there's a lot of beaches down there in San Diego. Or how about the San Diego State Pina Coladas, man? Isaiah, the beaches would not work either because you are infringing upon Long Beach State University. Now, they're technically called the Sharks, but per reports, though, they are not going to be really using the name. It's more of a placeholder like the Washington football team because they were actually the hardest hit by the CSU board, though, with actually changing the whole branding of the school, which, of course, was a bit of an outcry from the alumni, but also Isaiah. I already told you, I wrote an essay in eighth grade about having a casino like their arena is at SDSU, Viejas Arena, a casino on a college campus, or at least a casino advertising on a campus. I didn't think it was a good idea in eighth grade. Still don't think it's a great idea, especially nowadays, Isaiah, where you see so many colleges putting out PSAs that are kids. Don't bet on your games because there's a lot of massive penalties that the NCAA can levy on your school if you're caught wagering and gambling on your sport, on your team, or on your school. And that's why I said no to, you know, no to Viejas coming onto the college campus at SDSU. And also, Isaiah, alcohol too. No, thank you. And James also says, why not the fish tacos? Ralph Rubio did go to SDSU. That would make sense, though. But again, folks, uh, after 105 years of existence, the Cleveland Indians will be no more per reports gathered today on this Sunday. Uh, as of the 2022 season, per reports gathered, they will, in fact, uh, have a new nickname, branding, logo, and colors come the 2022 season. With that in mind, Isaiah will now get to some of the fun stuff from his program and get over into the uh, thing we do every Sunday here on the program. That, of course, man, is the bloopers of the week. As, of course, folks, we do this every Sunday. We have though done it, a, uh, done it though, a couple of times, though, uh, during the course of the actual week. When we've had some special programs here for the network with the night shift filling in for some of the uh, vacant spots here left behind by either uh, failed get, uh, with... Uh, Show's already done, or we have it after a guest interview on the network. But with that, Isaiah, we'll get to the uh, five bloopers of the week. First up, up backboard Beverly. There's a hook pass now to Ibaka. With Beverly in the corner to beat the clock and hit it the side of the board. Death, taxes, the Clippers hitting the backboard, Isaiah. 
Exactly right, Callan. Death taxes, the Clippers hitting the backboard. I think that, you know, Patrick Beverly, this are in like during his break, right after the Clippers blew that 3-1 lead. I think he spent a lot of time at Paul George's mansion training with him because look at how Patrick Beverly is shooting. Paul George hits the back uh, or the side of the backboard. Now it's Patrick Beverly's turn to hit the side of the back or yeah, off the side of the backboard. And you, dude, you're a guard and you're shooting like that against Montrezl Harrell, a big. Come on, Pat Bev. Womp womp womp. That folks is number five. Number four. It's a bird. It's a plane. It's Santa Claus crashing into a vehicle. <laughs> Oh, my goodness. What? That It's a bird, it's a plane, it's Santa Claus parachuting in from about 10,000 feet and going feet first, Isaiah, into the back of a minivan's window. And don't forget, Cal, he breaks the window of the car. <laughs> I mean, it's one thing to make a grand entrance, but my goodness, man, yikes. Santa better be getting that person that he broke or the, the person that car got broken by him a new car for Christmas that this year. Because, my gosh, you slide right in and you break the person's window. My gosh. James Gonzalez writes in, can we tell Pat Bev is gone from the Clippers? His act is getting tired. Martin Garcia, though, chimes in. Def taxes and the Raiders going 7-9 and nine on the season. Hey, at least you don't have Jeff Fisher coaching your ball club there, Mr. Garcia. You got that going for you. Next up, Isaiah, for our bloopers of the week at number three, Nick Mullins's horrific throw. Drops back, second and 10. He looks for an open receiver, and he overshoots him by 10 yards, Isaiah. What's up with your man crush right there with the, the Niners? That was uh, one of the reasons why the Niners lost today, because I know I – I pointed out, you know, the drops, the penalties, the terrible blocking. But Nick Mullins just wasn't on his game. He came on strong late. But, my God, you had Brandon IU. Callan, can, can we play that video one more time? See, you have – it's the second – this was right before the fumble. This was right before the Chase Young fumble. You have Brandon IU wide open, wide open right there. If you make the catch, you put the ball right in his hand, who knows how far Brandon Ayuk's gone. He's definitely in field goal range. He'll probably go even further. He'll probably have the ball at the 25-yard line. That was a missed opportunity by the Niners. You could have scored a either a field goal or a touchdown if you're lucky to cut into that Washington lead. But instead, Nick Mullins airmails him by like 30 yards and you know makes me and Callen look like Hall of Famers with that pathetic throw. Even with my bad elbow in baseball, you probably know the ball better than Mullins. James Gonzalez says, Donde esta Santa Claus? Bam. I mean, that. can we just roll this one more time? Oh, my goodness. Callan, just be thankful that uh, this year we wouldn't we won't see Santa's you know going from uh, you know from the sky and dropping down because we don't want another one of those accidents happening again. 
James also says Mullen Spullen. Martin says, if you want to know the top looper of the year, it's the Raiders defense not showing up for the entire season. <laughs> Sadly, Martin, I think uh, you're on to something here with that. My fantasy team, actually. Oh, that's terrible. Next up at number two on the bloopers of the week, Isaiah. The Window Factory. Two, one, go. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's one thing for these videos of people doing stupid stuff with the exercise ball, but this guy literally went right through the door like it was a doggy door for humans. Two, one, go. <laughs> I've seen this clip like 10 times and I cannot still, or I can't still stop laughing really hard at this. This is super funny, man. Like the guy, they bump into, or they bump, and then the guy goes flying right into the window and he breaks the window. I mean, my gosh, like that. Two, one, go. <laughs> and the guy that went through the window even had a longer running start than his buddy who had the ball and he still gets sent flying and through the door nonetheless. Oh my God. Two, one, go. <laughs> Man, uh, James, I agree. Play stupid games, win stupid prizes. You know, I was on a uh, trip to Australia in uh, eight years ago for a international baseball tournament. And when you go there in August, it's in the middle of the winter time. When it rains, I'm talking it's a torrential downpour all damn day. You can't go outside. We had some of our, our some of our guys do some of that stuff, and I'm really shocked that no one had any broken bones and that no one put any holes in the drywall and no windows were shattered during that time that we were stuck inside because of the rain. Isaiah, back over to you. Let me ask you this, Callie. Do you guys have anybody hitting uh, hitting their own head with a pineapple, trying to smash a pineapple? No, they weren't that stupid eight years ago, but it was fun because I got to be the ring announcer for these matches that went on, so it was great. Let's just watch this one more time. Two, one, go. <laughs> I mean, this guy literally went flying. It reminds me of the scene from Avengers Endgame where the Hulk is trying to steal or get one of the stones from one of Doctor Strange's protectors, and he hits him so hard he literally knocks Bruce Banner's body out of the Hulk, like in this very slow motion style, like X-ray leaving his body. Let's just see this one more time. Two, one, go. <laughs> it's, it's like Marshawn Lynch against a defender. That's basically what this play is. <laughs> that was Derrick Henry with Josh Norman earlier this year. That's what that was. But James, I agree. Play stupid games, win stupid prizes. With that, though, folks, at number one, sticking with our festive feel for the Christmas holiday, going up, going down. Oh my God! That—that's why they tell you to 
watch your surroundings because you don't know what you might leave in an elevator or you don't know what would happen because that guy, he was, he's pushing that tree out and he leaves the damn string in the Was it the string the or was it the cord to plug the lights in? Let's take another look at this. It looks like it's the it looks like it's the extension cord for the lights. I wonder what happened to the plug that was plugged into the extension. Yeah, oh man, it's worse than uh, your i the uh, iPhone chargers that start ripping at the very bottom when you're trying to charge your phone. Tyler Work writes in about the last clip, not the uh, number one Isaiah. He says, "Guy on the right, 2019 me planning vacations. Guy on the left, 2020. Here it is, folks." An encore presentation again. Two, one, go. <laughs> Essentially, it's all of us in 2020, Isaiah. Pretty much. With that, though, folks, that will close out another edition of the MI6 Sports Network's Night Shifts Bloopers of the Week. With that now, folks, we'll now transition and wrap things up for the night and go into tonight's final thoughts. All right, folks, time to wrap things up here on this Sunday night of coverage as we kick off a brand new week back here on the 6th, coming up on Monday night with WST with uh, Isaiah and John and a fill-in host for me. We'll have more about that momentarily. With that, though, Isaiah, we'll start with you, though, for your final thoughts for tonight's program. What do you got? Isaiah, you are muted. You can add that to the blooper of the week, Rio Kelly, <laughs> but... Uh, before I get into my final thoughts, I want to thank Tyler, James, Martin, um, as well as, let's see, Angel, Casey, uh, Christy Wilson, um, as well as Julio Mendez, Taylor, uh, and let's see, that's, that's pretty much it. But I want to thank all the viewers for tuning in tonight and watching our show and flooding our comment box with excellent comments and great questions. Really appreciate uh, the love and the support y'all give us. Uh, you guys are truly the best fan fans on the planet. Um, also, before I get into my final thoughts, I just want to give a shout out to my guy, Austin Zhang, uh, who works at McDonald's, who was able to hook me up with free cookies. So I really appreciate you. Uh, you're the guy, man. Uh, but my final thoughts, Callan, you know, now that the 49ers season is done and I have officially waved the white flag on the 49ers season, uh, you know, the next few weeks, I'm going to every Sunday, I got to find out what I should do because, you know, I'm not going to be watching games anymore because there's no use in watching when your team's eliminated. So who knows? Maybe I'll take up some gardening. Maybe I'll try to do some cooking, try to play some chess or uh, I don't know. We'll, we'll see. But, you know, I, it's going to be be very, very busy. So the next uh, few weeks on the night shift, I might not be on because I probably won't be watching any of the games that... Yeah, I, I don't know, but we'll see uh, what I decide to do. But it was a great show tonight. Um, you know, we had a great, great topics, a lot of great games today in the NFL. Uh, and the, hey, the NFL 
the next several weeks as we wind down the season is going to be a fun, fun final three weeks of the season to determine playoff spots, uh, playoff matchups, uh, bye weeks, and stuff like that. I can't wait. And I can't wait for these upcoming college football championship games. You have USC and Washington playing, uh, and you also have Iowa State playing, Oklahoma. Iowa State trying to be, you know, or win the Big 12 for the first time since 1900. So a lot of great stuff going on this week. Uh, This week is going to be a blast. Can't wait. It will be a great week of coverage and a great week of sports as well, folks. As a reminder, we are just wrapped up our 14th day here of the MI6's 31 Days of Hot Takes Challenge. John Mathis in his on-air rant about the Dodgers not hitting with guys on base defeats Ryan, uh, proclaiming the Lions would win the NFC North uh, by unanimous vote tonight. We'll be back with the folks with one more challenge again tomorrow for day 15. That will feature Martin Garcia once again saying that LeBron James is not a top four player in the NBA up against Trevor Williams breaking out the captain hat when talking about his uh, his man, Captain Kirk Cousins of the Minnesota Vikings on WST on Monday night. As a reminder, folks, I will not be able to join the program again due to, again, work assignment uh, for men's college hoops at six o'clock tomorrow night. So it'll be Isaiah, John Matheson, a fill-in host uh, for a program or for the program on Monday here on the MI6 Sports Network, folks. And as you see scrolling across on your timeline as well is the MI6 Fantasy Basketball League draft is this Tuesday. We'll have it for you folks live on air again if that league fills up at 5 o'clock p.m. Uh, here Pacific time for the program. Here, if it's not if uh, the league, folks, is not full, we'll, we will then, though, have the uh, night shift instead at 10 o'clock Pacific time on Tuesday. Also, folks, a couple other uh, quick notes to uh, keep you posted as well. On Thursday this week, we have Mark Willard, famed uh, Bay Area sports talk show host from KNBR, formerly in L.A. in San Diego, will join myself, John uh, Mathis, and Isaiah at 12.40 p.m. on Thursday. And also, Isaiah, we have one more guest coming up the week of Christmas. We'll let you uh, uh, spill the beans about that one coming up next week. What do you got? Yeah, so um, ladies and gentlemen, you guys know that we got uh, we had Grant Cohen on for an excellent episode last week on WST. Well, this week we're going to have uh, one of Grant Cohen's guys that work for him at All 49ers SI, uh, Maverick Palak, will join us not this week, but next week, Monday at 5 p.m. Pacific time, Maverick covers the 49ers. He covers uh, the Giants. He covers the Oakland A's. Uh, he watches a lot of NFL action, NBA, MLB, and all that stuff. Um, and also, he's an Oregon Ducks alum. So we will be able to talk to Maverick about, you know, the Oregon Ducks and what happened this season, why the Ducks fell flat on their face. And, um, you know, if they somehow make it to the Pac-12 championship, which they still could because Washington has COVID issues right now. Uh, if they somehow somehow win the Pac-12, we could be talking to Maverick about that. So Maverick Pallet joins Wild, joins me, Callan, uh, and John Mathis on Wild Sports Talk for a special episode 5 p.m. on Monday, December 21st. Uh, it's going to be a great episode. And now, Isaiah, I want you to listen very closely to what I'm going to be saying here. Folks, we'll have our network Christmas special, multi-hour event coming up on December 23rd, next Wednesday. Isaiah, listen to me very closely. We are going, folks, on a holiday break, Christmas Eve, Christmas Day, 
and the day after Christmas. We will return on air, folks, on December 27th. That is a Sunday night to recap another week of NFL football. Now, with that in mind, though, folks, we'll have the uh, 31 Days of Hot Takes Challenge still going on via our Twitter account at MI6Sports starting on the Christmas uh, holiday break on Christmas Eve, Christmas Day, day after Christmas, so on and so forth. So again, Isaiah, again, Christmas Eve, Christmas Day, the day after Christmas, there is no network programming on those three days out of the year to, again, let us all celebrate with the uh, Christmas holiday. And we'll also, folks, hopefully by the 23rd also, uh, have for you folks uh, during our Christmas special, uh, the uh, network Secret Santa, hopefully as well, will be uh, able to be done in that 10-day stretch. With that, though, folks, we're going to wrap things up here for Isaiah Leung and for yours truly, Cal McClurg, and the rest of the entire cast and crew here of the MI6 Sports Network. We'll see you folks on Monday with Isaiah, John, and an unknown moderator to fill in for my place on Monday on WST at 7.30 p.m. Pacific time right here on the MI6 Sports Network. Folks, have a good rest of your night, and we will see you folks here again on Monday to kick off a brand new week of coverage on Monday at 7.30 p.m. right here on the MI6 Sports Network. Network. Till next time, folks. Good night. Bye bye.